So if you're new with us, I'd like to welcome you here to Sunlight Community Church. My name is John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church. Um, We've been going through a series called Ministry Partners, and how we can partner together in ministry is a huge part of what it means to be a Christian, huge part of what it means to be a, a, a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we're on the last week of this series, and now I want everyone to go, oh, come on, like, yeah, you want to be sad, because it's the last week. So we're on the last week of the series, so if you follow along on an iPad or a phone and you take notes, you can go into the Version app, it's the Bible app, click on that, and then in the right corner it says more, click on more and then click on events, and we have an event in there with the notes and some announcements and things like that. So today we're going to be in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 9 specifically, we'll be in Luke 9 and 10. And we're going to look at something that I think we sometimes forget because we read this and we go, well, that's about this group of people, and we don't realize that we're part of this group of people. And you'll, you'll, you'll get what I'm getting at in a second because he sends out the 12 disciples. Well, I'm not one of the 12 disciples, but what, what actually is apl- applicable for us today? So before we get started, I want to pray Ask God to bless our time together and to allow us to see what is in his word here that is so amazing. And it's so amazing to be ministry partners. We actually have a ministry partner class after after service. So if you haven't gone to a ministry partner class and you want to, we have one after service today as well. So let me pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we just ask over this time that you would be the central focus of what we're thinking about, what we're processing that all the things that we came in with, the worries, the cares that, that, that have been blocking us from seeing what you want us to see, take those out of our mind just for a little while so that we can see what's in your word here and how we are all born with a purpose to be sent out as, as messengers empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we ask that, God, you would move in a mighty way this morning to show us what it means to be sent. What it means to be sent by Jesus, that we're in the world, but not of the world. What does that look like? We say all this in Jesus' name, amen. So don't we all want to live with purpose? I think if I took a straw poll, we all want to live with some sort of purpose. And so I'm going to tell you about one of the first jobs I ever had. I just turned 18, and I got this job where I was delivering pool permits and checks to town, city, and state governments. And it was basically kind of, or county, some, some counties, but um, it was basically this sweet job. And some of you may ask, how did you get a job like that? Well, my parents. Didn't everyone get a good job from their parents at some point? You know, oh, my parents put in a good word for me. Basically, that's what happened. So I was sent on a mission I get, I get like a, an email or a phone call, and they, I'd be sent on a mission. I was signing checks that were worth thousands of dollars. How many of you have 18-year-olds? You're like, I would never let them sign checks for thousands of dollars, right? So, so I had this huge responsibility at 18, and I had blueprints that had specific delivery windows. Like if I was late, they wouldn't even accept them. And so I had to get them somewhere at a specific time. It's kind of like being a courier. And so I had this huge responsibility. I felt like I had a purpose. I was a messenger. I was, I was going somewhere, and I was doing something important, and I was doing something none of my friends, my friends were like, hey, dude, you want to hang out? And I'm like, well, I've got a job now, you know, 
Anyone ever go through that trend? I got a job now. And so I always had to be ready to be able to do that. And so these important blueprints and this payment, if I didn't do it right, we wouldn't get this permit. And it, it would be a big deal. It would hold everything back. And trust me, people are really angry when they can't have their pool, okay? Because when you already are, have the money for the pool, you're like, you want it as soon as possible. And so people will get really angry. So imagine with me for a minute. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Everyone, close your eyes. It's the only time I'm going to ask you to do this because don't fall asleep. Close your eyes. Imagine with me for a minute that you're me. And you're walking into whatever government office. And you walk in and you forget the $3,000 check you're supposed to sign and give to them. Imagine with me. What are you thinking in your head? You're like, oh no, I'm in trouble, right? Okay, imagine with me for a second. Close your eyes still. If I got there and I forgot the blueprints, do you think they'd give me a permit? I know some of you are imagining someone really angry at you, like, I can't give you a permit. I know you have the money, but there's no blueprints. Open your eyes for a second. Open your eyes now. So, as Christians, we have a blueprint in the Bible. And we have the payment through Jesus Christ. And so if we forget one or the other, we've got a problem. We've got a blueprint of what God wants to build in his church and as a believer. And sometimes we forget one or the other. They're both really important. If you, if you don't have both together, what happens? You either build a really ugly pool and have no idea what you're doing, right? And people go, what is that? Or you don't have the money, essentially the payment, to get what you need. So here's the phrase. There's a phrase that I've heard when I was a kid. Don't cash checks your mouth can't cash. And that's why I think sometimes we go out there with this blueprint that we've kind of made up. It's kind of like mixed together with other things. And we end up with this version of Christianity that we're just like completely it's just our own version. It's not what the Bible teaches. And so people go, well, all Christians are hypocrites because this one person does this, and they say they, this is what you're supposed to do, but they don't actually follow what they say. And so we get lost in that. Let me tell you something that's really important to hear this morning. God can cash the check, and he did on our behalf. And then we were sent out with a purpose, with the blueprint, to share with others. The blueprints and signed checks, we, we hold one or the other back sometimes. We say, well, here's the blueprint and just do good things. Well, that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus taught. And then we do the other thing. We say, oh, Jesus, 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 and we forget about all the other stuff that we're, that we're a part of and we're supposed to do. So we go out in the world completely unprepared, and we wonder why people are afraid of inviting people to Easter, like Aaron talked about. We wonder why it's really because we, we don't have the blueprint and the check. I mean, it makes sense. What I'm talking about is, is pretty common sense. You have to pay for the permit, and then you also have to have the blueprint for them to know what you're actually building. And so we have the blueprint, and we have the payment, and we come in, and we wonder why we don't get the permit. We wonder why we're getting lost, and we don't, we don't have other people responding to what we're telling them. And so... Turn with me to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. This is a very, very important passage. And I, I love the Gospels. 
And I know you're like, I'm a pastor. Of course you love the Gospels. I love the Gospels because they're, they're narratives. They're telling us what Jesus did and how it applies to our life. So when you read it here, he does something very important here. Jesus sends the 12 out. And so I'm going to read this, verses 1 through 6. And he called the 12 together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And they sent, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and you do not have two tunics. But whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there you depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And he departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So important here. Any of you, okay, I won't raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. So raise your hand in your head. Feel like you're not one of the 12 disciples. So when you read this, you go, well, the 12 disciples, that happened to them, and that's not really me, and it's so different. But he gathers the 12 disciples like you'd gather your friends. He gathers them together. Family, hey, come here. I've got something special to tell you. And I'm sure the disciples are in that room going, okay, Jesus, what are you going to tell us? And then he says something. He says something. He calls them and he says, I'm going to show you who I am. He doesn't say that, like, but I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to give you power and authority over demons and disease. He sent them out with this power and authority to tell others about the kingdom of God and to heal. And sometimes we read this and we just kind of like, okay, all right, that's what the disciples, that's, this is the one passage, you know, the disciples are sent out. But there's something we miss. Ministry partners are sent out to help others become clean. This idea of, of cleansing, disease. What do we think of with disease? I've, I've, I've threatened many times to show a picture of gangrene on a Sunday morning, and I won't. But if you've ever seen a picture of gangrene, it's gross. Disease, it eats at you. It's, it's internal. And you help others become clean. Ministry is for all of us. And we're sent, all of us are sent to help others become closer to God. They were told something that I think was very interesting. They were told not to take anything with them. And later in, in Luke, Jesus actually says, take stuff with you. But I think the point he's trying to make is very important here. But if we think about it, they didn't need anything to serve in God's kingdom except the power and authority given to them. They didn't need a place like this where we have speakers. They just needed people that they were in relationship with. They don't need anything but the Holy Spirit to tell others about Jesus' kingdom and bring Jesus' healing power. And so ministry partners are sent with the Holy Spirit. We're sent out. I know it's overwhelming. You ever go in a situation, I know all of us have done this at one point, unless you're a really good student, sorry trying students if you're good, but you go into a test and you really don't know what to do. Well, we get tests every day, but we have the Holy Spirit. There's a difference there. There's a, there's a huge difference. And we have an opportunity to help healing with healing from this, from anxiety. There's worry and fear in our life that seems, without Jesus, I can't do anything about this worry and anxiety that I have, and I don't know what to do. But Philippians chapter 4 tells us, that when we give God that anxiety, we pray to him, he responds and he gives us peace. 
You know how many times I've used that verse? It's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You know how many times I've sat with someone and they're sharing with me and they're worried about something and I just say, hold up. Have you prayed about this yet? Because it says here in Philippians that God will give you peace when you pray. Hopelessness. We can help people heal from hopelessness. We have hope in Jesus. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have hope in him. Colossians 1.27 says he is the hope of glory. It's the only, t- only place that we can receive eternal life. It's the only place that there is any hope. Addictions. When I say addictions in a room like this, Maybe you haven't been affected, but a family member's been affected. Maybe a family member, family member's affected. Maybe someone you work with. Maybe someone at school. Addiction is a very common issue. So there's many different types of addiction. But the Holy Spirit is the difference when it comes to addiction. 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says specifically, Jesus came to overcome the world because guess what? We can't do that without him. Why is it that every 12-step program always has this idea of a greater being? Well, I'm going to tell you who that is. That's Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can get free from those things. Emotional brokenness. You can help people heal from emotional brokenness. Toxic relationships lead to emotional wounds. It's as simple as that. They can be healed over time. It's something supernatural that causes us to forgive people that have wronged us. It's something supernatural You know how many times I felt convicted about something because I know I wronged someone. They don't know I wronged them. And usually when I go to them, they look at me like, okay. You know, like they they don't even know what I actually did because it didn't hurt them. But I knew in my heart that my my words or my actions were to harm that person. And so there's this, this idea of emotional brokenness that we're able to help people heal from. And this is not really an extensive list. These are just a few things. Just a few things. Once someone invites you into their life, you have an opportunity to lead them closer to Jesus or away from him. There's the opportunity. There's one or the other. Take the opportunities that God's given you with people that receive you. And you may think, well, I've been really working on this one person that's not. I'm not saying stop. But I'm telling you, there are people in your life that really want to be friends with you. But maybe you're not seeing the fact that maybe... The good news that we need to share with that person is relational. So people are not going to receive us as we speak of, of Jesus and his kingdom. That's, that's as simple as that. Anyone ever feel rejected? If you, raise your hand, if you don't raise your hand, you're probably not normal. You've never been rejected, okay? If you feel rejected in anything, from, from a family member, from a friend, you're going to be rejected when you share the gospel with people. When you say, Jesus changed my life, And because he changed my life, I know he can change your life. And here's how he changed my life. Here's my story. Here's what God's story has done in my life. If someone relationally accepts you, just keep sharing. Don't don't back off. Many times we don't want to change because we become comfortable or we have dysfunctional behavior in our life. I used to, when when I worked in social work, I did it for about four years. And when I did it, I always saw situations where someone could be given good advice constantly and they wouldn't follow it. And I'd always wonder, like, this, this is what I would call common sense. Any parents say, yeah, I tell my kids common sense all the time. It doesn't happen. Well, 
I'm just, just roll with me here for a second. <laughs> when, someone, when you give someone advice and they do not, do not listen, how does it feel? How does it feel? You feel like a sense of rejection a little bit? What if you stopped looking at sharing the good news about Jesus as, as advice, but look at it as news that's happened on your behalf? The, the disciples are going out, and they're, they're healing people, they're talking to people. In reality, they're rejecting people that are not, that are, he says, dust off your feet, which is kind of, like, that's kind of a rude thing, right? That's like someone coming to your house and burping in the middle of dinner. Okay, let's just throw that out there. So, like, they come to your house and then they're rude, you know? We just talked about not being rude in the song. Good job, Aaron. That was, uh, you know, good catch. So, so, people are rejecting the news of Jesus as fake news. That's a term we use nowadays, right? They're rejecting the news of Jesus as fake news. But the reality is it's not fake news, and it's not just good advice. It is good news, and it's accomplished by Jesus on your behalf. He's the resurrected king. So if we can agree to all that, which in a room like this, maybe there's some that don't agree, but, but if we can agree to all that, what do you think you need before you can go and share and bring healing, that good news, to others? Because we've all been sent on a mission, just like I felt sent on a mission with this check in my hand, this blueprint that was huge. Usually I was carrying it. It was kind of big. Just as much as I felt like I was on a mission, we're sent on a mission to tell others about Jesus' kingdom. So ministry partners tell others about Jesus' kingdom. They say, hey, you may be depressed about politics. And I don't know about you, but if you watch anything in politics, you just get depressed after five minutes. I've noticed it. You guys want a happy pill? Watch Hallmark, okay? You want a sad pill? Watch politics, okay? Just kidding. That's, you know, all the wives in the room are like, yeah, I told you so. It's, it makes you happy. Come on. So what's holding you back? Why are you not living sent? What is it? Is it money? Is it job security? I worked one place where a guy got fired for sharing his faith. I know you don't believe me, but that was insane. I was like, what? So-and-so left. He got fired for sharing his faith. Maybe it's knowledge. Maybe you feel like you don't know enough about God to say what needs to be said. Why do you think there's the Holy Spirit? Every single one of you walked in this room as a finite being. There's, an, there's a limited amount of energy and talent and ability and brain power and everything in you. And yet God, he brings the Holy Spirit and gives you this access to power and authority that you can't even have any other way. Maybe you need more training. You think you need more training. I'm going to just say this. The Holy Spirit generally brings to mind what you've read or heard. So the first step is read your Bible. If you read your Bible on a regular basis, guess what? God's going to bring something to mind when you need to talk to someone. And so I'm going to say something, and I want everyone in the room to listen. Can I, can I do that for one second? Sometimes you tune out, and then you come back in. Tune in for this one second. Knowledge without action leads to parking. I'm going to call it parking. You're just parking. Knowledge with action leads to a sent life. Simple as that. Knowledge without action leads to parking. You just sit. I don't know many of you, but I don't want to be the same person I am in 20 years. I want to be closer to God. I want to have a, have a great relationship with my family. I want to see relationships reconciled. I want to see redemption around me. 
And I can only do that with God and his kingdom. So knowledge without, with action leads to a sent life. And ministry partners live sent lives. We're not just wading through life. We are going, we're serving others. We're helping others. We're listening to other stories and, and telling others the good news. Most of the time, I find that people don't see God moving in their life because they're not really aware of how God's moving. And then when they meet with another person and the person goes, well, that was totally God working in your life. It's like we, we're able to open up other people's eyes to see what God is actually doing in their life. And so ministry partners specifically live lives filled with purpose. You have a mission. Should you choose to accept it? And I'm not going to do the whole like uh, Mission Impossible theme because Aaron would kill me. Yeah, because I would, I would murder it. Sorry, Aaron. And so you do the whole Mission Impossible theme and then guess what happens at the end? This is your mission should you choose to accept it and this will self-destruct in five seconds. Well, guess what? Here's our mission. It's not self-destructed in five seconds. So we don't have an excuse. Oh, I forgot the mission. You imagine if Tom Cruise said he forgot the mission? I mean, seriously. We'd be like, man, this is a boring six-minute movie. <laughs> right? We have the mission right here. Okay, let's, let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Now, what's interesting is chapter 9 is the 12 disciples, and then Jesus comes back in chapter 10, and he does something miraculous again. He says, I'm going to send out 72 people. 72. I don't know. There's probably more than 72 people out here today. So when you leave today, remember that you're being sent out. You're not staying. This is not about what you're doing sitting in, in the chair right now. It's about what you do after you're sitting in the chair right now. You all are sent ones. So let's read this, verses 1 and 2. After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus waited a little while. Then he sent out another 72. And maybe you were thinking, because I, I was thinking this when I was reading Luke 9 and 10. I don't know. I'm not really one of the 12 disciples, but I think I might be one of the 72. Okay, let's just throw that out there. I'm not that good, but I might be one of the 72 because that's a bigger group, you know, and I think I could hang with the 72. You know, I was picked last in school, so I figure 72 is probably a good number. I, you know, I'm part of that. So I can be part of the sent ones. Don't forget this. Jesus continually sends us out. Every single one of you is sent out into the world. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, that is what you're, you're sent to do. He does something that I haven't seen since Noah, and he sends them out two by two. Why do you think he does that? Because we're not sent out alone. Even if you're the only one having a spiritual conversation with someone, there's someone that's praying over you. I would encourage you. Think about this this week. Find someone to pray for your personal ministry. Find someone, to, and when I say personal ministry, I don't mean in the church, in the church building on Sunday mornings. I mean, have someone pray for that coworker that you're really struggling to befriend, but that you know really needs help, and you really want to help them, and you want to, you want to do something about their issues and what's going on. It might mean that we have multiple people praying for us. You know, I'm going to actually have you raise your hand. Would anyone in the room not want, or actually, let's have everyone in the room. 
you'd want multiple people pray for you, right? Can we raise hands? Everyone, almost? Wouldn't you want multiple people praying for you? Church, this is a great opportunity this morning. After service, find someone to pray for you. Maybe it's someone new. Maybe someone you never met before. Just by name, pray for you. Don't forget that. We cannot forget this last verse, verse 2. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I don't know about you, but if the harvest is plentiful, and whatever it is, this is, you know, we're not necessarily a gray area. Let's say the profit is plentiful. Let's talk about our business world. Profit is plentiful, but the workers are few. Don't you want to be a part of that? Pray for more workers in the harvest. Pray for more sent ones. And what is this harvest? It's harvest of, of followers of Jesus Christ, of, of people, of souls that, that, that want to pursue him. Don't you want to be a part of that? That's, that's exciting. That's not just a, just a, I kind of feel like it on Tuesday thing. It's like, no, I want to do that. Don't just pray for missionaries. Don't just pray for evangelists. They can do the work while I sit on the sideline. No, wake up in the morning and realize you are a worker in the field. You are the one that's a part of this. Comparing harvesting a field and the hard work that is implied by that is the hard work that happens when we share the good news of Jesus Christ. It is hard work. It's not easy. It's not something that we all think like we can set out to do. It's not easy work. Anybody, anybody ever detassel corn? Anybody? A few people? Yeah. Is it fun? Did, would you do it your whole life? No? No? Nobody? Okay. When I was growing up, I used to work for an almond farmer, and they had orchards, and they had these, these berms. They would, they would flood where the trees were, and then these gophers would go through these little holes, and I would have to go around and fill in the holes and find the gophers. Not a lot of fun, especially in 100-degree temperatures. And then I had, a, I had another opportunity like that, and I said, no. I want to ask you a question. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a big don't, actually. It's a statement. Don't be a lazy Christian. Don't be a lazy Christian. Don't hit the, the snooze button over and over on this alarm that you're hearing this morning, this alarm that says you need to be sent out into the world, because if you keep hitting the snooze, guess what happens? You, you're late to the party. You're late to work. You're late to what you should be doing. And you wait. Realize each day that you wake up with a purpose, with a mission. And you have the ability, you have the blueprint, you have the payment, and you're ready to go to go talk to people. Go share with people. Go do things behind the scene. Maybe it's not words. Maybe it's you just help someone. Whether it's financial or you have a skill, help someone with something they need. Ministry partners pray for more, ministry, more partners. They pray for more partners. Simple as that. You're praying for more partners because guess what? There's this rule in the church, and some of you may scoff at this, okay, but every pastor you talk to is going to mention this rule. There's the 80-20 rule. Has any of you ever heard of the 80-20 rule? Do you guys know what that is? Okay, a few people. 80-20 rule. 20% of people do 80% of the work in the church. And then 80% of the people do 20%. And I would tell you, most pastors would argue that's a little high. And, and you know, I, I, I can't even defend that because I think that, that most churches, that's the case. And it's because we don't realize that each and every one of us is a 
sent one. We're sent out into the world. We forget, we forget that part of what Jesus has called us to be. We forget about the power and authority that he's given us through the Holy Spirit to say, I'm going to try to help this person. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to go and pray with them and encourage them. I'm just going to do whatever it takes. Let's not be like the 80-20 rule, church. Let's, let's carry the load as equal partners. Last week we talked about we're profiting off of God's grace. We, we have given, been given the increase. God's given us this much, and all we have to offer is this much. That's what we're, we're profiting off of God's grace. We're getting so much more out of what God's doing for us. So let's carry the load as equal partners. This is the last day we have sign-ups out in the atrium, and I'm going to have Dawson come up here. I want to invite one of our newer staff up here to talk about a great opportunity to live sent on Sunday mornings. You know, I said it's not just about Sunday mornings, but Sunday mornings, there is a huge opportunity at sunlight. You need to get a mic, dude. What are you doing? Look at him. He's like, he's like what's going on? What? I invite, I invite him up here, and I didn't realize he's taller than me. Do I feel short? You look short. I know. I look short. So... I'm going to let Dawson take it away about an opportunity we have on Sunday mornings. Yeah, so good morning. As John said, I'm Dawson, um, and I was hired on as the interim children's ministry director back in January. Um, and in light of John's message today, uh, I would like to ask for volunteers who are willing to serve in Kids Zone. Um, and some of you may think, that's crazy, I'm not good with kids, that's not for me. But let me share a little bit about my personal mission for KidZone, um, and that is to raise up the next generation of the church. Now, this is kind of a new idea, but a lot of you are no longer the generation of the church. The next generation is those kids in KidZone back there that are going to grow up and lead our nation and lead our church and do God's mission. Which, Dawson, you're one of those, right? Because yes. we showed the picture <laughs> when you got hired of, like, Dawson at, like, four years old in KidZone. So. That's right. That's pretty cool. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm passionate about giving your kids each and every week the gospel, um, and I can't do it alone. I rely very heavily on my volunteers, and I see a lot of them in here this morning. Um, and I want more volunteers. I want more people to love the kids back there, to raise up the next generation of the church and help them understand what it is to love God and what Jesus did on the cross for us so that they have a strong foundation in Christ before they grow up and meet the world and so that they're prepared for any battle that God throws at them spiritually. Um, and I just want to encourage you all uh, to think about it, pray about it, and at least pray for us in Kids Zone that we are able to share the gospel each and every week with the kids and that they'll get the message and that they'll learn what it is to follow Jesus and to love God. Um, I can't think of a better way to live sent on Sunday mornings than to share the good news of Jesus Christ with your kids each and every morning. Well, can we can, oh, oh, hold up? Give Dawson a hand in a second. Can we say that one of the things that I love about this church specifically is how much we have cared for kids? If someone's been here a long time, they think of KidZone. And so um, it is incredibly vital to our ministry, especially to young families, of which I am one of them. Dawson's like, your kids are in KidZone. I have three of them. <laughs> yeah, almost four. <laughs> um, um, it's incredibly vital to our church that there are people serving in KidZone. And so... I'm, I'm excited about the things that God's doing right now, but we definitely would love to have more volunteers. And what more volunteers means, sometimes you may volunteer and you may want to volunteer once a month. Well, if you volunteer once a month, 
that leaves an opportunity for someone else to volunteer once a month and kind of go through that. So, Correct. so frequency is also something that I know people may ask. Yeah. Afterwards, Dawson is going to be at the table out in the atrium. If you have questions about Kids Zone, or maybe you're like, I've never served ever with kids. Trust me, he will find something for you to do, and it's always with purpose. <laughs> so I'm excited, Dawson. Thank you so much. Give Dawson a hand. I'm going to put my mic on. Another side note is I have candy out there too. So. Oh, whoa. hey, hey, no one leave yet. Okay, there's candy. So we as followers of Jesus Christ are called to live sent lives. Maybe it's as simple as serving in Kids Zone on Sunday morning or maybe it's as simple as going to Turning Point during the week and meeting with someone. There are so many different needs in our community that we can't lose sight of. And many of you work in situations where you know people that have needs and you can't meet them individually. Well, we're a church. We're a whole church. And our purpose is to live sent in the world, to be sent out. Don't forget your mission. Don't forget that you have power and authority of Jesus Christ when you speak of him when you read the word don't forget that that encouragement that he gave to live sent Luke 22 actually says Jesus says well now you can take stuff with you but the point was you have the Holy Spirit you don't need anything to do ministry you don't need a pulpit you don't need a building. You can take what God's already given you and you have a ministry. How are you living sent? So ask this, where is your daily ministry? Maybe, like me when I lived in Fremont, I'd always go into Dollar General and my wife would go, well, how, why do you always go to Dollar General? I always go there because I see the same people working at the same time so I can talk to them and ask them how their day's going. What's going on in their life? Maybe you're not there yet with daily ministry, so my question is, what's holding you back? And you may say, Pastor John, you're, you're clearly an extrovert. You clearly go and talk to people. You clearly, listen, and that is not who I am. In fact, I probably said five words today. Ministry is not always about the words you say. It always requires action though and that sometimes is the things that you do and maybe your ministry is to care for people and listen and respond with five words like I know you need Jesus I don't know enough maybe that's an excuse but God has granted you his power and authority through the Holy Spirit I, you know maybe it's I can't afford to be generous with the Holy Spirit, we can afford to be generous in all things. So this is, this is the question I want to leave every single one of you with. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Are you going to be a laborer in the harvest? Are you going to be a worker in the field? Are you going to be a person that goes from here and says, you know what? I've been bitter towards this person my whole life. My mom walked out on me, my dad walked out on me, but I'm gonna labor 
in the field to forgive them because I know I've been sent to do that. I've been sent because I'm changed. Are you going to be a worker in the field? Are you going to do that? Are you going to believe that Jesus is more than enough? And when you partner with Jesus, you've got infinitely more than anyone else when you partner with Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask you this morning. We ask you, as it says in Luke 10, we ask you for more laborers, more more workers in the field, for there to be a harvest. And we're not we're not farmers, but but I think we get the point. We God, we ask that people would get saved. People would come to know Jesus and love Jesus in in mighty ways, in ways that we don't understand. And that today, this morning, that all our insecurities about sharing, all our insecurities about giving, all our insecurities about caring would wash away. that That the Holy Spirit would allow us to see the bigger picture of what our daily ministry is. Bring more workers for the harvest. Help us to be a church that is the exception to the 80-20 rule. That 100% of the people are 100% of the time, 100% all in. Change us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. That was willing to give his very life for us. As we leave today, Lord, help us to live as set ones. Help us to see the opportunities and help us to speak up rather than stay silent. Help us to listen when we need to listen. And help us to to give and be generous when you are calling us to. We say all this in Jesus' name.